Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Mike Coscarelli. Today's guest, he's a former editor at Maxim Magazine. He's currently the editor-in-chief at Internet Action Force. He's also a recipient of the James Beard Award, and he formerly had a show on Sirius Radio. John DeVore is with us. Great. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for being here, John. We were discussing a little bit earlier, you have a lot of experience in the newspaper game, and I'm one of the only people who still reads these damn things. I'm a dinosaur on the subway. The last couple, the last the last time before this time that I saw you in the subway, you had yes. a New York Post. I had a New York Post and a Daily right. News. I read them both. Why do you read newspapers still? Because clearly, right. if you look at, this is one of the last great newspaper towns with, that can support multiple newspapers, and it mm-hmm. used to be even five years ago, right. you would see people with newspapers in the subway. Not anymore, just you. You know what I love? Dirty hands. I can't get <laughs> enough of dirty hands because I'm a lazy man, but I want to I wanna come in, I want to enter the subway clean, and I want to exit the subway looking like a Chilean miner. <laughs> I want my hands to be filthy, and I want them to be filthy with ink. I, I love a tangible newspaper. I, there's something about holding it that gives me the power, and I absorb its energy more than I can when I'm just reading something off my iPhone. Let me, let me break this down, because I... I'm, I I've had almost 15 years' experience in both print and the internet. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you? Do, why? I want to know, and sincerely, why do you love newspapers? Is it is it a hipster thing? Do you just like old technology? Do you it's, like do you like old iPads, which is what newspapers basically are? Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. Of or, course. Or why? Why do you like it? And, and I'm curious because I I have a sentimental, romantic. You know why I like it? A uh, view of newspapers, even though I don't read them anymore. You know why I like it, John? And thanks for the question. It's not a hipster thing. Hipsters don't read the news. I like it because. I don't remember my password for for my iPhone or my iPad. I, I I don't remember my password. So every time I want to go get a new app, I got to go and I have to reset the password. Uh, you know, so I go to one of those password generator things and I try to save it in my notes. I end up losing the whole damn thing because my notes end up getting filled up with random thoughts and musings that I have during the day. So each time I have to get a new app. I have to go and do a whole 15-minute process. It's a nightmare. I say, cut out the middleman. I'll give you a buck a day. Thanks for the New York Post. I got my coffee. There's something about it that does make me feel like a child wrapped in a warm, warm blanket. And I never want to lose that. Where do you think, obviously now, newspapers are not exactly, this isn't the heyday. No. Right? There's no, no, no longer newsies. There's no longer... 10-year-old boys getting paid uh, a nickel a day to go right. uh, you know throw uh, you know throw bundled up pieces of print at random business individuals. So where do you think we're going now? I mean obviously you have such a vast experience. Are you happy with uh, getting all of your news just from uh, the internet? Well, it's two things, right? It's a technology and then I guess we can talk about uh, journalism. Sure. You know, uh because newspapers are a technology. They are a printing press. Right. And then there's the means by which you distribute it with uh, trucks and relay. You know, it, it is, uh, it, you know, it was at its time the ability to produce a daily newspaper was a tremendous technological feat. Right. Um, that at this point is just, I think, too too expensive really to maintain. Hmm. Uh, but that said, uh, I, I I love newspaper reporters and I love reporters. I've edited them. Um, you know, I, I've had a career in journalism, but I'm a really shitty journalist. Right. I know excellent journalists. Uh, I think that there will always be a, a market 
for people who are good at going out and getting information, not opinion. What's the difference between a newspaper journalist and an internet uh, an internet journalist? Because, you know, there's so much misinformation online. You right. know, there's all these fake uh, websites. I believe Empire News, for example, is one of them. And... Uh, they're, what do you mean fake? Like they're sat- satire? They're satire. They're true well, satire, I mean, but but they don't announce that they're satire. And then this creates a whole bunch of well, confusion. The one thing, when you open up a New York Post uh, or a Daily News or a New York Times, you do have a little sense of credibility because it right. goes through people like right. you. You know, nowadays with the internet, you can post a Tumblr, you can post a blog saying anything outrageous that you want to say. People read it and they don't quite have... I feel like at this point in time, we don't quite have the suspicion that what you're reading online is false. I think there is an idea that somehow the internet is more truthful than previous uh, means of, uh, uh, of, of of receiving information. Do you think that the internet is, do you think that it's, what is the safest place to find right. good news? Right. I mean, look, I love pranks and I love satire. Right. And I love... Uh, and I've made plenty of websites. You know, for about eight years, I ran a uh, a Bush era parody called WhiteHouse.org that we made to look like the White House website, and right. and it was very it was a vicious satire of Republicans. And every day we would prank Republicans who came there and conservatives who thought it was the real White House site. Well, so I, think- I love I love that. But if we're talking right. about journalism, um, uh, journalism and journalists, I I really think it's a kind of an art form in a way. Yeah. Um, and there are still people out there, both in print and online, who are, are, you know, who are true journalists. They go out, they try, they're like information plumbers. They go out and they try to find the best information they can, verify it, and then tell you a story that is as, as factual right. as possible. What was the story that you put on the White House, the uh, satirical oh, we White would, House? Oh, we would, we would create all kinds of satire. We would create a- Did you ever get in any actual trouble? Yes, because you're, yes. You're in, dipping in, 2000, into, yeah. in 2003, right before the Iraq war started, we received a cease and desist letter from the vice president's office. It was written by David Addington, who would later yeah. become the White House chief counsel. And uh, the, it was not a cease and desist. Uh, it was a very clever letter. Uh, it was on stationery, on uh, vice presidential stationery. Yeah. And its core thesis was it would be a good idea if we didn't make fun of Lynn Cheney. That sounds exactly it's, like a letter that Whitey Bulger would send to somebody right. in Boston the, that he was just about to murder. The ACLU agreed that the letter was purely intended to intimidate. Right. Um, um, and, and of course they, they, they didn't have a, uh, a, a case. I mean, Lynn Cheney had been a co-host of Crossfire. She was an author. She's a public person. Right. Um, they tried to contend. David Addington suggested that you lay off Dick's wife. Lay off my wife. Um, and then over the years, all of that, we would have, you know, we, we, we would, was there, there, there were other sort of things, but then, um, um, but the ACLU, uh, stepped in then the war started and nobody cared. Right. And to this day, I, I, I believe that that interaction set a satire policy in the white house, which is sort of, that is carried over today, which is sort of, you know, you do not comment. Do we, right. we, we had a uh, fair use law. We had parody law. We were protected. It was satire is protected right. speech. The Iraq war. A lot of people died. And it was a really terrible time. A lot of victims all around the world. God, that's a great segue. But the greatest victim of the Iraq War <laughs> was a little show on Comedy Central called That's My Bush. 
one of the best oh. satire shows ever with a great uh, character actor who crushed you a know, wonderful not- W. Bush. And as soon as 9-11 occurred, man... They wiped that show off the air faster than the Twin Towers could have fallen. I might have been at at Comedy Central at that. I, I think I was at Comedy Central at that time. I, I was a I was a lead writer for the website for a couple of years. Didn't know. So and I remember that. So I, I, oh my, my God, I completely forgot about that show. That show was amazing. I think it would have lasted eight seasons had uh, W. Bush been. A, uh, well, had nine eleven not happened. Had nine eleven not happened, and W. would have been the domestic president that he campaigned on right. being. Do you think that during that time, I mean, as That's a person in satire um, around 9-11, first of all, I want to ask, what did you say about Lynn Cheney? Oh, we just made vicious fun of her. I, okay. we, you know, that WhiteHouse.org, we, uh, which you can find right now we uh, at, at GeorgeWBush.org. Okay. You can find the whole WhiteHouse.org site archived there because we had to let go of the URL. Go to GeorgeWBush.org. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, wait to check oh, it out. Oh, it's completely vicious, racist, xenophobic satire of conservatives in the Bush era. It'll be the only thing I read on my phone on the train. Other than that, it's nothing but the New York Post for me. Did you Great find- newspaper, by the way. Yeah, the New York Post is my Love favorite it. newspaper. I'm a huge fan. I do not agree with it. But it is the most entertaining newspaper. Well, at the very least, they have a great section called Weird But True, which is always Oh, they have so many great fun. sections. It's, yeah. great, it's a great newspaper. It is a great newspaper. I can't get enough of it. So, did you find, being in satire during 9-11, yeah. during the early era, Bush's you know early years, where they were really trying to figure out um, where we wanted our foreign policy to go, and uh, the feathers on the hawk were uh, flaring. It was the most hawkish time that I've ever seen in this country, and I was born in 1981, so I've seen a lot. Did you find it had a very large chilling effect on satire and on what you were doing and where you were going with your career? I, uh, I'm obsessed with those Bush years. I mean, I would have been, you know, I was in my late 20s. Um, immediately following 9-11, up until the 2004 election, People forget. Democrats forget. This country was majority all down for the war in Iraq. Right. And, and you know, there was a year or so, because White House, at, at, right after WhiteHouse.org, uh, we all decided as a group, uh, or rather uh, uh, the editor-in-chief of WhiteHouse.org, my, my creative partner, John Wooden, mm. we decided to, to not let up. So We decided we- to become, to lean into what we saw was something as, as apocalyptic. I, you know, the, mm. the country, you know, like even now, uh, critics of Hillary Clinton bring up her war vote. Definitely. But immediately after 9-11, the, major- the majority of my friends, I remember having uh, discussions with friends who are super liberal now, but I, I, I don't forget my post-9-11 conversations with them when they were talking to me about why, how we had to remove Saddam Hussein, talking mm. to me about how we had to invade. Uh, the country was, was, was really united in fear... Uh, for months and months after 9-11. Right. Uh, our, my satire, uh, we stayed even more vicious, and I decided at the get-go to be an anti-war satire, right. which was an incredibly unpopular position to be at that moment. Mm. It wasn't until uh, revelations of the... of of the, the lack of WMDs, the, the entire disaster just, you know, of the war. You yeah. know, partly, partly, and we could talk about that forever, because I, while I oppose the war, I, I'm obsessed with the history of it. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't until the strategy kind of wobbled. Uh, you know, it just wasn't until, it, there was a point when all of a sudden the liberals turned on on the war. But for a, for, for a year or so, 
uh, uh, people were afraid. I mean, look, even the yeah. Daily Show right after 9-11 was a little, you know, it wasn't, they didn't become the Fox News Bush uh, 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 counterpart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, until a little bit later, 2003-ish, 2000, you know, late 2002-ish. Right. If you want to see how a nation goes to war, study how the nation went to war we, we after were, 9-11. We were unified. The fourth, the fourth wing of government is media. You believe that? I absolutely believe uh, it. Yeah, I don't know if I it do. Is, it is an extension of the government, especially under a liberal presidency. I mean, they don't check anything uh, that Obama has done. At the very least, they started checking W after the, uh, you know, after the... Um, after the tears had uh, dried in our eyes following 9-11, we start, started to see clearly and we understood what a terrible mistake going into Iraq was, which I was always against, by the way, because I was trying to get laid in college. And if you do want to try to get laid in college, ladies and gentlemen, being against war is the way to go. I would not get laid in college today because I was also against Obama pulling out of Iraq. Anyway, that's what created He ISIS. didn't pull that, out of Iraq. He pulled the, out the, of the, Iraq. The Bush administration set that policy up. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started, John. Don't, don't, don't get me started. Is that the catchphrase of this show? Don't get me started. Yeah, right with Ben Kissel. <laughs> now, that's going to be my fifth podcast. Don't get me started with Ben Kissel. It'll be five minutes long, and then I get started, and we have to end the whole damn thing. It's I all am, over. But no. Uh, I don't think media— what, Okay, go on. No. Ask the the, you ask the, the way that the media uh, acted after 9-11, uh, if you look at Bush's, uh, you know, his access of evil speech, it was Iraq, it was Iran, and out of nowhere— Right. It was North Korea. Right. No, no, nothing to do with anything. They right. just threw North Korea in. They're like, no, okay. No, you didn't mention Afghanistan. Certainly didn't mention Saudi Arabia, where 17 of the 19 uh, hijackers uh, resigned. Right. Our pals. Our buds. But the media never called anything on that. They were just, they were all in. It was, it was, it was special effects. It was graphics. It was hardcore music. It was Wolf Blitzer coming through right. crisis in Iraq. You know, um, operation, uh, I, I, I'm forgetting the name of the operation. They always, they always brand these things better than Nike could ever imagine branding them. Desert Storm was 91. Yep. Operation Iraqi Remember, Freedom. Uh, it was Operation was, Iraqi and, and, Freedom. And there was Desert Fox in the right. in the mid-90s when uh, uh, Clinton sent it. There was a, a short, a small campaign. Do you remember that? You were young. Do you feel as if you were vindicated being against the war Well, the majority of the country, at this point, W's approval ratings were in the 90 percentile? People even like Dick Cheney, I would, which is crazy. Do you feel vindicated in your uh, sticking to your satirical guns. I would not be. I would not say vindicated because to say I was vindicated means that I would, in some way, happy about the unbelievable carnage uh, and the you know and the wounded and the and dead Americans. Right, right, right. Uh, I I I told myself early that even if this war in whatever way was successful, that I would have to be on principle uh, against the war. And against military intervention in general, I, I, I am. I, I, there's a part of me that understands real politic, and and the the, the reasons uh, to use violence and when you use violence. Right. But philosophically, I have to be opposed to war. I, I don't feel vindicated. I, I don't see. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, war is the absence of civilization. I, I do not think that there are any positives. It, it, it completely damages all individuals involved. Uh, victory in war is, is, 
something that is a, an oxymoron in a way. Um, so I don't I don't right. feel vindicated. No, um, I think that uh, Iraq was a tragedy, and mm-hmm. on a, on a on a brand, grander level, I think all war is a tragedy, and that is the romantic side of me. That is a side that is informed by my Christian upbringing. I was I was raised very Christian. Um, um, and this, this, that, that is a part of me separate from the real politic. The part of me that, that, that mm. tells my liberal friends, if Al Gore had been president after 9-11, I don't know if we would have invaded Iraq, but we probably would have gone and killed a lot of brown people. We would have gone into Afghanistan, which is exactly we where we should have you know, been in the, the first place. I, I agree it's with not you. Like, it's had not like, Al Gore, and but I do want to say this, just really quick, I want to clear something up. 2000. That election, the 1999 campaign, the 2000 right. uh, Thank election. God for activist judges, huh? Okay, this is this is a problem. <laughs> I, I disagree. It wasn't an activist judge. You know what? He Al was Gore, an activist judge. You know judge. what Al Gore could have done? To, you know what Al judge. Gore could have done? Rehnquist was an activist judge. He, didn't he was even the know Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the conservative uh, Supreme Court. He was just happy he had a job where he could wear a robe, so his uh, you know he didn't have to put on any underwear. If oh, Al Gore, if Al wow. Gore would have just won Tennessee, <laughs> if Al Gore would have just won his home state, it wouldn't have come down to Florida. If Al which Gore, which of course was going to go to W because his Al brother Gore, was the damn governor. If Al Gore, win win your home state. Mondale even won his home state. If Al Gore hadn't been such a precious fruitcake, if Al Gore <laughs> uh, had not been uh, influenced by the vapors of the media and had run on the Clinton record. Bill Clinton left office with a 60% approval rate. If he had run, and and this is Al Gore's ego. Right. If he had run as basically a third Clinton term, there would not have been such a small margin of error in Florida. Right. I think. Or other states. Uh, you know, Al I think Go- Clinton probably could have carried him Tennessee. I I, 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 think, I think but if, I, give- I think if Clinton had been on the on the campaign trail, right. absolutely. I want to get back to you. So 2000, uh, 2003, you have WhiteHouse.org, a satirical internet yes. site. Now, at this point, again, know, people forget. I mean, the internet is every, it's in our pocket every single waking second of every single day. In 2003, it really wasn't like that yet. It was still flip phones. Most people probably yeah. saw your site via uh, yeah. a laptop or a, uh, a um, an actual computer, you know, I mean, which seems so prim- uh, primitive now. Uh, so being at the forefront, did you uh, did you feel as if this was definitely the way the future was going to be going? And do you feel as if television satire, such as The Daily Show or The Nightly Show, um, do you feel as if John's face was perfect? He loves The Nightly Show. I love uh, all TV shows. <laughs> I'm, a, no, I'm a complete digital nerd. I'm a complete, right. I, I want all TV shows to go away. So you, and you sort of, you saw that. I, of. you know, when I got to New York... From where, by the way? From from I flew out here from Texas in 1996. Okay. Um, I'm an artist, Ben. So you lived um, I got in W for I, quite a while. Oh yeah. Oh, my whole time here. Yeah. I uh, I got into. There's two ways you get into journalism or publishing, and one is a journalism school, which is like art school, only people aren't as uh, sexually libertine. Um, <laughs> um, or you learn it as a trade. I got into right. publishing because I was a receptionist at a small. A publishing company, Tech Magazines. I got my start as a tech mm. uh, small business reporter. Uh, and then in 2000, I, I got myself a job at Maxim.com. I was on the launch mm. team for Maxim's first website. I wanna, and first, I remember my boss, one of my bosses at this magazine company, and I, 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 I learned the hard – and I went from receptionist to fact checker to an editorial assistant to assistant editor. And I remember an editor telling me I was making a terrible mistake going to the internet. 
Um, but I mm. fell in love with it in the year 2000. And at Maxim, I met a guy by the name of John Wooden, uh, who is a mentor of mine. Uh, uh, he would later hire me at Conan O'Brien to work on TeamCoco.com. And John was one of those uh, first-generation internet geniuses. Uh, he just, you know, he he could he could do it all. He could code, design, and write. Um, and and I just fell in love with the internet. That's and, so and, funny. You know, uh, I, I fell in, and I could see a future where these technologies would be able to provide not just information but emotions because social media. Is an, it, people live their lives on it, and they have legit emotions. Right. I saw a future where these technologies of printing presses and big box TVs and cables uh, uh, would not be what delivers the things that give us emotions. Well, let's talk about social media uh, next. I do want to point out John Wooden. It must be a name that all inventors have. I believe the basket, the inventor of basketball yeah. was also named John yes, Wooden. Yes, he was. If you, so I'm just going to name could, my kid guy, John Wooden. This guy, my John Wooden, is the exact opposite of basketball legend <laughs> John Wooden. But they Wooden. both invented something that Americans I, you know, John, and the world loves. You know, John was the guy, you know, uh, he was the, uh, we, he ran a website that won South by Southwest Awards and Webby's called mm. Chickenhead.com. And I remember once in 2000, I wrote some silly thing, and the next day he came to me and said, you know, that thing you wrote got 15,000 hits. Mm. And I remember in 2000 being like, are you telling me that 15,000 people? I just performed in a room in the Lower East Side for five. And they were all drunk. Yeah. You know, um, um, and I just remember thinking, that's the most insane thing. Mm -hmm. I do love the irony of a tech magazine. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, right, isn't that amazing? Right. How we we used to receive all of our information about yeah. technology I would write, via I would print. Write, I would write articles about Y two K. I would right. write articles, but it was, but it, this was at a time when it was still uh, that that editor. He was just like, "You're going to ruin your publishing career." And right. as it turned out, I, I you know there was a I went back to Max Magazine around two thousand three, maybe two thousand four, mm. uh, and I shouldn't have done that. You should have stayed with the dot yeah. com. I, you know, I, I with John. John and I launched a website with uh, other friends uh, during the dot com bu uh, boom, mm -hmm. and then bust. We sold part of that company to Comedy Central, and I went there. And and the dot com bust was so traumatic, right? Um, that I got a job offer at a magazine while I was at Comedy Central because I was like, well, maybe that editor was right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I wish, I wish I had. You know, my time at Maxim Magazine was great. It was, you know, it was it was still four million a month. It was still in its prime, uh, but I missed um, the birth of social. Go into this a little bit because you know I missed. Um, I wasn't involved. Uh, uh, certainly not, uh, you know, economically or not financially. Certainly not dependent on uh, technology to make a living. Right. Go into that bust because there was a time where everybody had a uh, internet startup and everybody thought they were going to be the next yes. billionaire. Right. And they ended up selling stocks uh, on here, par here with Scott's my, toilet paper. Here is my overarching, because we I, I can talk about this for hours, but I, I have a distinct memory back then that I still hold on to. And you're, you know, I, I, people who are in their, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, millennials, under 35, whatever, have a complicated relationship with boomers. I hear it all the time. You know, you guys ruined the economy. You guys mm. did this. You guys did that. My impression of the dot-com bust was... It made a lot of boomers very wealthy. And how do you say that? Why? Because they're the ones, because it was a, it was a bubble. 
Right. You know, uh, I, I think in, in retrospect, we'll look back on the Obama financial years and see that it was much more difficult to create these bubbles. Mm-hmm. But it was a bubble. Uh, uh, and, and you had a lot of people of a certain age throwing money into their peer group's ideas that were then executed by younger by mm-hmm. young Gen Xers, you know, um, um, I knew a lot of people in in 2001 who were in their mid 40s and uh, early 50s who were making a lot of money on the dot com bust, and then it just went away. And they were able to escape with money, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, th- you know, it was. Let me. There was there was a website in New York and in San Francisco called Fuck Company in 2001. Okay, and Fuck Company was great. Because it was a website that you could go to, and that was a leak website. You could find out on Fuck Company if you were going to be laid off that day. I literally and how did how did that work? Because uh, people would anonymously send in tips from HR departments for, for whatever. I see. So like I had a friend who like logged into Fuck Company when he sat down at his desk at nine o'clock in the morning, and it was basically like a message board. And yeah. you know we've heard rumors that so and so dot com uh, layoffs are coming. And this was the era, too, where layoffs were perfected. Your computer would shut down. You know, like people would come in and escort you out. Right. Uh, it, was, it was the most bizarre time of my life. You know, I'd say 75% of my friends uh, were suddenly w- went from 30,000 a year jobs to 50 to nothing mm. in the span of eight months. Um, uh, mm. And the people who uh, got away, of course, were executives with huge payment packages and, and it was it was a right, remarkable your, time. Your golden parachute uh, type situation. Yeah, sure. I mean, but at that point, it was you know literally if you had, I mean, remember like, like it was I forget it was Pets.com. Remember there was that uh, that Super Bowl that was nothing but dot com commercials. Yes. And looking back at those websites, they were shit. I mean, they were shit. Right. Fuckcompany.com. So this is sort I of don't one even of know the if it's first, around anymore. This is sort no. of one of the first um, internet. Chat rooms, those sort of forums, those sort of it interactive was, forums. It was, it was a legit website. It was a simple website, but the main thesis was that you would email if you had info about uh, the uh, problems with the company, mm-hmm. layoffs, any rumors. You could go that you could email the guy who ran it, and he would print them. Right, and you would be able to kind of get a feel. And it was like, and it was weird. You you'd have a job, but you'd go to fuck company to find out. You know, eighteen of your friends were getting laid off that day. Mm. It was it was bizarre. Sounds like a really sad Twitter. You know, I, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. And look, but, you know, the Bush years started with the dot com bust for me and right. ended with the uh, you know uh, the two thousand seven like my 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 I was laid off near the end of the Bush years hmm. for economic reasons because the uh, you know the advertising uh, uh, industry I, there was no money for. It. I mean, it dried up. Yeah. Where are we at now with social media? Obviously, um, you know, so it started with these companies. I never even heard of Fuck Company, but it sounds like a fascinating website. I mean, why would now you? Have, have, it's like 2000. And, yeah. And, and, you, know, you know, it was just a thing. I was in college. My job wasn't on the line. No, 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 no. Uh, you, your job was getting drunk and, yeah, uh, my, and not my, catching STDs. Right, exactly. Yeah. Thank God, knock on wood. I do not have an STD and I've never had an STD and I don't plan on getting one. But if I do... <laughs> I'll call. I, you know, I'll email Fuck Company you know, and let them know. You know what? I want to vote for you just because of what you just said. Thank you so was, much. Uh, now you work for IAF. It's an um, Internet Action Force. Go yes. find it right now. Uh, it's full of funny videos. You I've been, have I, been I part- very funny in many, many, many of them. I participated in a few of them. It's a wonderful internet uh, comedy network channel. I guess it's a I channel. Guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. What do you think? 
social media interactions. Are we uh, interacting more with one another or are we being, uh, you know, more cold, more callous and more disconnected from people uh, than ever before? Because I have a theory when it comes to these mass shootings, obviously guns are uh, an issue that are that are worthy of debate. It's an issue worthy of debate. But I think we also have this problem where we live on our phones. You see people online. We don't really have that human interaction any longer. Do you think there's something dangerous about losing human uh, touch? Uh, you know, I don't. I, this is just progress. Um, a couple things. You know, Mark Twain was famously bad with his money, and he rejected a uh, investing in uh, uh, the telephone. And his reason for not wanting to invest in it was uh, he had a great quote that Americans will always want to stroll down to their fences and talk to their neighbors. Right. Um, hmm. Social media, I, which is just another word for the internet. The internet is social. They're the, they're basically the same thing at this point. Sure. Um, um, before social media, lonely people could only scream into their pillows at night. Uh, and now we have social. You know, like there's a great liberal uh, wish that everyone has a voice. Mm. You know, liberals in the 90s, they, we wanted everyone disenfranchised to have voices. We wanted everyone to have a voice, and now they do, and it's a fucking obnoxious sound, but everyone has a voice. For good or for bad, I think it's a positive. I think it's empowering. I think people should have a voice. I think people should be able to. What about the dangers of Uh, The shooting thing is interesting, though, because I think that shooting is a a, a completely American, uh, you know, um, you know, Mm. how many presidents of ours have been shot at and killed? Uh, the, uh, it's it, not completely American to have a uh, leader this, shot. It's this very kind, Middle but, Eastern but, as well. Our, our number, like in our short history, I, it's We've over had five. We, but but let's let's fold in the attempts. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, then we're getting, we're, we're getting like 11, 12, yeah. I mean, Squeaky From, we got, uh, you know, Cholgosh. Don't we bring got, up Squeak. oh my she, God, I've had enough. Squeaky From, don't have bring a lot. Squeaky into We have this. a lot, but it is very American to be able to, uh, to become significant through violence. It is, and it's very uh, human as well. Uh, all great, uh, you know, I mean, look at the um, John Wilkes Booth, you know, the greatest actor of the time, killing Lincoln. He truly thought he was going to be revered as a god. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to be the president. Yeah. I shot yeah. the president. Yeah. And that's not obviously how that works. So violence is, <laughs> uh, you know, constantly a, a way that mostly men um, tend to feel as uh, if it's a it's a viable way to, uh, to the top. But you know what? Very we, quick, we have baked uh, into our way. DNA that it's an option. You have yeah. that freedom. You have that option. Because it's in a totalitarian, in a different society, they try and keep the tools of violence away from its citizens. It is an option. For good or bad, America says you have that option. Well, I mean, if you don't have uh, an arms, I'm I'm very pro-armed society. I think that we probably need an armed society. But that also uh, goes to the argument why we also need a militarized police. So if you want to have a militarized if you don't want to have a militarized police force, then we can't have a militarized society. This is you have to come on my political show Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. We'll get into greater detail on these things, but I believe but social media, I'm sorry. Social media. Anyway, um the the gun thing is a very fascinating argument and we only have like 15 more minutes and we will talk about that on Ablingen's top hat that'll be coming up in the new year i'm going to have john devore on so make sure to listen to that episode on cave comedy radio social media when it comes to interaction you feel overall it has had a positive effect i i, I do i you know i love it 
Um, I love it because social media, you know, when I was doing uh, talk radio years ago, I found there to be a comparison. Radio made me better at social Mm. uh, because I was doing a talk radio and it's similar sort of physics. You know, um, um, callers are interacting, you know, and, and if you notice, you get you when you're on the radio, when you're on talk radio, the louder and crazier thing you say, the more immediate reaction that you get. Right. Um, and because social media like 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 talk radio is live, it's in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I absolutely think it is a positive uh, because all it's doing is showing the truth. Social media isn't making us any isn't crazy. It, though, I don't think it's tru- making us Is it the truth, though? Because that people you, are angry, people, that people are lonely. No, I'm asking, is it the truth to the effect that people are projecting an honest version of themselves? Isn't somebody, aren't they projecting an, an illusion of what they presume, that they want to be a projection of who they fantasize being? I mean, sure. there are people who pretend to be ferrets. Or there are people who pretend to be, you know, uh, the world's greatest bachelor. In reality, he's a very hairy, chubby fella who has cheese whids all over his pants. And the guy's, uh, you know, uh, slamming down um, a whole series of different kinds of liquors, whatever he can get his hands on. He's not a dreamboat. I I, I think the media will mature. Yeah. You know, um, because right now, like I said earlier, you know, about emotion, like, you know, the social media really is electric with real emotion. People have real, they, you know, real anger and real, they get really pissed off. Yeah. It's a bizarre thing, but it's happening. And I think it will mature because right now there are two emotions that uh, social is able to elicit. Knee-jerk happiness and right. knee-jerk right. Uh, anger. Right. And I think that that will become more nuanced. I, I really do. I, I think th- that will change. Um, um, uh, and for now though, it's blood sport. It's quite fun. It's yeah. <laughs> I get screamed at by so many people. And sometimes, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I never, I never block anybody, even the, even the eggs who, who, who say terrible things about me and my family that doesn't exist. You can't, uh, you can't block because people, t- that's a, that's another thing. About never block. It. People take a, uh, a sense of pride. When they're blocked by someone, but also, which goes against the entire notion that the internet was supposed to be there to create positive conversation between societies. But uh, but look, you know, it's a it's a, it's negotiations aren't pretty, and social is one gigantic super negotiation about who we are, right? What we should do, what is moral, what is not moral, uh, and and I, and you know, let me tie back to you know whitehouse.org. I. I tell myself, I tell people that for a lot of my career, I've been a professional troll. Right. So I have a bit of a of a soft spot for really good trolls. Um, um, and social media also is really, you know, to your point about how people create their own little bubbles, uh, social media is also a great opportunity to burst those bubbles and, this and to is, fuck with those bubbles. So these are the benefits of the troll. Of tro- I, yeah, I, I am a, you know, there's a difference between threats of violence and trolling somebody. Make uh, f- tricking what, somebody. What's a positive outcome that has come from being trolled? Because I don't block, but you know what I do? Mute. I love the mute. I'm king mute. I well, can't get in the mute button. Look, For those that don't I, again, know, by the way, I just want to explain the mute. Yeah. For those that don't know on Twitter, go to if somebody's a total piece of shit, uh, you know, saying random things that, that you don't want to hear, don't block them, mute them, and then they can, you know, you know, say whatever they want to say about you, and it just goes into the black hole that is the internet. I have no idea where it goes. It just stays on their lonely homepage that has 17 followers because they called up their family and friends and told them they were going to commit suicide unless they followed them on Twitter. So <gasps> right. you were saying. There, there's a difference, um, and, and trolling can be, uh, can be an art form. Uh, there, are, uh, there are plenty of brilliant uh, conservative writers who will troll? Yes. 
Uh, <clears throat> trolling is, in some ways, uh, it's true. It can be true satire. You know, in in you know, there's a, there's an element of grotesquerie. There's an element of challenging a status quo, uh, even if that status quo is your status quo. Um, there is something I think that is kind of artfully beautiful. How do you toe the line between that and cyberbullying and people who are right. literally committing suicide? Women get it the worst. Girls get it the worst. Right. They they say they get roughly that um, is twice that is as much that is harassment. That, that is harassment. Right. Uh, that so, is abuse. So how do we find that line from your? Because I'm really interested in this because you have a social media mind. Well, this is where is, you live. Is, how do we find the is, line between literally? Physically going in and arresting somebody for causing the suicide of somebody else, like that, like that boy, the gay uh, Clement, yeah. uh, Clements, I believe, right. who jumped off the bridge because his roommate uh, at the university. Well, now we're talking about the dark side of social. Right. Uh, you know, I, I was always um, a, a writer, not 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 a not a performer, and the first time I was on the, the my very first serious show, I, I worked I, I was so bad and I worked so hard. And it took about an hour and a half for one lonely little light to blink, a caller. Mm. I, you know, and I, I, I could look in the other studio and see a professional and his phone bank, blink, 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 right, blink, right. blink, hundreds and hundreds of people calling. I worked for an hour and a half sweating, <laughs> awful, blink, 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 blink. And it was great. You know, and it was like, it was like, okay, Steve from Pittsburgh, pause. You really fucking suck. Click. <laughs> and then no other call. And it really hurt. Uh, uh. Social media, and I had to be taught, you know, that on you know, going on the air, uh, it was a it was a performance. Right. Social media is a performance, and it's very difficult. And and people really live their lives on social. They they, they don't see the disconnect. It's very people are you know people, someone like you, Ben, someone right. like me, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll do spots on TV, we'll do stand, you know, you'll do stand up, we'll write personal things. If you are someone that doesn't do that, and then you go on social. It can really wound you if you're not able to disassociate, you know, because social media is not real life. Well, this it, is, it isn't, but a lot of right. people think it is. And then you get into this realm. There are terrible people on the Internet who right. harass and bully and exploit vulnerabilities and people who aren't emotionally prepared to project themselves. Right. And and, and I, I, it's another hope of mine that as social matures, uh, you know, th- People will get better at that. People will maybe step back and not participate as much. You know, Facebook, I've had a couple of friends um, um, uh, pass away recently. And Facebook, to me, is is not a place. To mention their passing. No, but for a lot of people, it's very comforting. Right. And 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 so it's evolving. Um, um, you know, my heart goes out to people who are vulnerable and don't, and are tricked into thinking these social platforms are safe places. Right. They're not. You know, they're uh, not. Going back to one of the, uh, going back to what you uh, said, it, you were saying that people live their lives, and social media is really more and more, there. yeah. But I'm wondering if they are actually doing less living and more sitting. More uh, living in a fantasy world, like the, uh, well, like, the I, like like the children uh, in the in the um, in the uh, you know wombs of the Matrix. Well, look, you know, so I I I will compromise. You know, so, social can be a, a a new tool for self deception. 
Right. Uh, but I think it is human nature, if we're going to talk about human nature, to self-deceive. Uh, before social media, it's not like the world wasn't filled with clowns. H.H. Uh, Holmes is a great – he would have been great on but, Twitter. But, 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 oh, wow. I wonder if he wouldn't have yeah, – I wonder would. if H.H. Holmes wouldn't have built a murder castle he if he could have, have just made it in the Sims universe. Um, uh, wow, that's great. Oh, he was – you know what? He's a really underrated – uh, serial, serial killer. We did a three-parter on H.H. H. Holmes for my podcast, last podcast on the left. Uh, check it out on Cave Comedy Radio. You'll absolutely love it. It's fascinating. Uh, but I, I just, I, you know, I um, it is... L- 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 people wanted to connect before social. Right. And I think we forget that. And, and you know, I, one last little bit. When I, I, I ran a website years ago called Jokes.com, uh, it was eventually sold to Comedy Central. And this is early days of trying to look at data, analytics, and, and make editorial decisions. Mm. And we discovered that our core audience for this site that had thousands, tens of thousands of jokes, our core audience were 13-year-old boys mm-hmm. and 40-something-year-old housewives. And, and we were like, why is that so? And eventually we concluded, because uh, we then looked at, at, our, at the times of day when we were really we were getting a lot of traffic. Mm. And we concluded that that was our audience because those were the two groups of people who were alone at four o'clock in the afternoon together. Right. Uh, you know, like they were that they were just alone and they were looking mm. at jokes. And how did you uh, how did you bond those two? How did you bridge the thirteen year old boy and the forty five year old? Because because we dis- we decided uh, uh, that it was because they were they were by themselves. Right, but how did you then? So a website you have two very different demographics. Um, how well did you then, as a well website then, well, uh, but, 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 but find then, a middle ground? But well, no. Then we would then begin to publish more at that time, mm. and then publish more of the jokes that we thought the thirteen year old boys would like. As well as the joke, it's not that they both like the same jokes. Right, right. It's that they were both at home alone after school, or in the housewife. Uh, you know, uh, they, they, we decided it was that that the thirteen year old was coming home after school, right, going onto the internet, and the housewife, um, female, of course, uh, was also likewise not at work at home, mm-hmm. and that they were both on the computer at the same time, looking to be entertained. Right. Because they weren't connected, they were alone, and the computer connected them right. to to you know. I, I, you, so, you have to understand that twenty years ago, it, it, we were trapped in our apartments with a landline. Right, right. Remember when? Do, were you of the? Did you ever have forty-five minute conversations on the phone? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. Do you have them now? Uh, with one friend, and those are very special. And that was a precedent. You yeah, used yeah, yeah. to do that with him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but, an old friend. Yeah, yeah. Right. A, we talk. Yeah. I, I, I could talk on the phone for two hours when I was fifteen. Right. That's all we had. What do you? That's think? the only way we could connect. This is true. I believe the statement I'm about to make because I feel it. You make you say something funny in real life, and people used to laugh. And now instead of getting the laugh, they say you should tweet that. Right. And then you, when you get the like on Twitter, there is something inside oh, of you that is so rewarding. Well, it's very much, uh, you know, a mouse uh, and a pellet. It is very important when you design a website, when you design this kind of technology, to remember that you are, like we've been saying, uh, that it triggers real emotion. Right. That it fires dopamine and serotonin and you get a high. And then there's the dark side. When you have somebody lobbing insults at you. Uh, you your your body can have chemical reactions that make you wince or get depressed. Mm. 
Uh, but it's very important in the internet to have something that's pleasurable, to have buttons that are pleasurable, to have to have uh, interaction right. that makes you want to click. So, for example, the Facebook dislike button, which was uh, presumably there, so someone says my, my like right. you said, my friend passed dislike as opposed to like, but that would have just led to negativity but it's just you know that that like button's an abstraction it's like it's you know because when someone dies and they still press like we all know that you're not saying i'm glad this guy's dead right it's more of a non-verbal you know i'm with you uh, yeah, yeah whatever it is right it feels good it feels good to get it right it feels good to give it and we we i don't think we're noticing how tied in our brain chemistry is becoming with this technology right i agree singularity will happen huh Oh, absolutely. It, has it begun? I think the singularity has begun. Yeah. I absolutely do because we are, uh, for the first time, a clumsy, shambling collective, a hive, where we are adopting mm. each other's opinions in, 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 in massive ways. We are all having emotions the same way. We're all mass. We're all, we're all, our brain chemistry is all firing at the same time. Um, I, I think it is already happening. And, uh, you know, I we're not going to experience a singularity uh, in its final form, right. but I absolutely do think it is, and I think because the first step to uh, the to, to that to that occ- to that occ- occurrence is kind of a collective hive mind, right? And that's what we're doing. I love it, man. I wish we could keep this conversation going. Uh, we do have to I had a wrap lot of it. fun, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was so fun, but I do want to ask what, just final thing. Yeah. When it comes to laws, uh, these you know internet regulation will become a uh, on the forefront of um, government legislation in the in the near future. Uh, obviously, a, the Supreme Court doesn't even email. Yeah. I don't know why these uh, Neanderthals, these true dinosaurs of the world, uh, are allowed to decide um, things uh, that are so new and uh, that are going to have such great influence on the future. Where do you see uh, the government going with government regulation? Donald Trump just recently said that he would regulate the Internet to some degree uh, you know, in defense against terrorists. And, of course, they're going to be using national security in a lot of the arguments to regulate the Internet. We literally have like 45 seconds, but you're used to TV. Where do you think we're going with laws, and how do you think we – should we keep the Internet as open as it is now, or should we uh, you know, get a little, I will, I little will always, I will always be an Internet anarchist. I was born into that world. I was uh, part of that first generation of the Internet. Always, always, always Internet anarchy, free flow of information. Uh, if we have to tolerate evil on these platforms, then so be it. Uh, I think I will lose that battle, uh, but I will lose it with the courage of my convictions. Awesome. John, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you, Ben. All right, that's John DeVore. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of the Internet Action Force. Uh, go check out that website. It's absolutely It's absolutely awesome. And uh, make sure you check out my other shows on uh, Cave Comedy Radio. That's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, the last podcast on the left, and the round table of gentlemen. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.